This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. President Joe Biden says he's willing to meet with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. But the North Koreans are playing hard to get. If they persist on building more nuclear weapons, fabricating more fissile material, building more nuclear weapons, and even missile delivery systems, and if they should have a nuclear test or a long-range missile launch, I mean, this would not only be an impediment, it would be an, they would exacerbate uh, this relationship and these efforts, and I think we would then go in a different direction. Ambassador Joe Detrani, former U.S. Special Envoy to the Six-Party Talks with North Korea, says there's a limited amount of time for North Korea to take action. We do have a window. We have a definite window of opportunity right now. I believe that window will close after three to four to six months. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. One of the biggest problems for the U.S. for decades has been North Korea's interest in nuclear weapons. One of the best tools for dealing with that is the U.S. ally, South Korea. On May 21st, South Korean President Moon Jae-in came to Washington and held a summit with President Joe Biden. They talked about a lot of things, but they talked mostly about cooperation. To better understand what that discussion regarding cooperation was all about, we turn to Joe Detrani. He is the former special envoy from the U.S. to the six-party talks with North Korea. This was back in the early 2000s. So he sat across the table from North Korean leadership and understands better than most what's at stake here. Ambassador Detrani, we spend a lot of time talking about North Korea and the Koreas, um, with most of the emphasis being on North Korea because of its nuclear weapons and its uh, its research uh, into those developing those weapons and propulsion systems and Kim Jong-un and many of the theatrics that uh, he has provided the world with in terms of threats to the U.S. and the West. But we often... Uh, miss or overlook a key component there, and that is the work and the existence of South Korea's government and why that's so important. There was a summit between uh, President uh, Joe Biden and uh, South Korean President Moon Jae-in last week, or at least I should say on the 21st of May, and uh, you are someone who knows better than most about how important South Korea is, how important uh, it is to North Korea, and all of these issues that are related. So I'd like to start by asking you to give me your assessment on that summit between President Biden and President Moon Jae-in. No, I thought the summit went extremely well, J.J. I think think President Biden and President Moon Jae-in hit it off, and uh, 
It, it reaffirmed our, our, our commitments to the Republic of Korea. Uh, the, uh, we talked about the uh, mutual defense treaty we have with the Republic of Korea and, and how we will uh, you know, uh, work to ensure that the extended deterrence commitments to the Republic of Korea are, are on the books, uh, are valid. And we will expand it to cyber and space to ensure that everyone understands that this is a very close alliance. It's forged with the, uh, you know, the uh, the crucible of the Korean War, where we we lost over thirty-seven thousand troops, and uh, uh, and uh, and and the South Koreans uh, had over seven thousand troops uh, assigned to uh, the U.S. forces in, in Korea at that time, who lost their lives also. So. Uh, there's a lot of uh, rich history here that goes way back to the Korean War. So I thought that went well. But I, uh, on, the, on the issue of North Korea, uh, I think the, uh, both uh, countries uh, reaffirmed our commitment for complete, verifiable denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And, and we will work to that end. And, and, and uh, citing the, uh, the uh, summit that President, former President Donald Trump had in, in Singapore and uh, the joint statement with uh, Kim, uh, Chairman Kim Jong-un at that time, which spoke about complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula as, as we move to transform our relationship. So, and, and other declarations, the Panmunjom Declaration that spoke about the North and South getting together, reconciliation and peace. The South is very important. South Korea is very important in this equation because we're talking about a separated Korean peninsula where the North has been hostile since the beginning of the Korean War in 1950 towards the South with their invasion of the South in 1950 and the significant casualties uh, throughout that time. And then repeated acts of terrorism through the years until 2010 with the, uh, with the sinking of the Chonan. 47 South Korean sailors were killed at that time. So there's a lot of history here, okay. very rich history here, and, and with the goal eventually of, of finding peace to end the Korean War and moving towards a, a federation and ultimately a, a reunification of the North and South. This is the goal. But what's impeding that goal significantly is that North Korea has nuclear weapons and they're building more nuclear weapons and missile delivery systems that are a threat, an existential threat to South Korea, to Japan and the region, and, and eventually to the United States. So until we can resolve this nuclear issue with North Korea, we will not see peace on the Korean Peninsula. We will not see stability in the Northeast Asian region. In fact, we will see a significant arms race and the possibility of nuclear proliferation in the region unless and until we can resolve the nuclear issue with North Korea. President Biden said during a press conference after the summit with President Moon that uh, the U.S. is committed to expanding cooperation and shaping the shared future between these two countries. So what kind of cooperation is he trying to expand? How does, how does that cooperation expand? Well, I, I, I think uh, those comments that you made and what was, uh, if you will, memorialized in the joint statement with uh, South Korea, from those meetings with uh, President Biden and President Moon Jae-in uh, were indicative of our, our shared commitments to the values we both share as countries, uh, to human rights, so democratization. Let's talk, what are those values? We, we hear those terms a lot and uh, you know we don't really drill down into them, but what are those shared values? 
Well, I mean, when we talk about and and it and and the joint statement and the and the meetings also talked about having uh, you know a, a free and open Indo-Pacific region, uh, freedom of navigation in the South China Sea. It spoke about uh, democracies, uh, and 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 I think the core issue here is the, uh, if you will, the uh, the uh, strategic competition we have with the People's Republic of China with China. And I think President Biden some months ago talked about that competition, where it's a competition between democracies, like in the United States, and indeed in South Korea, as opposed to those that are not democratic. The, uh, we're the liberal democratic, the illiberal autocracies, like in China, mm -hmm. like in Russia. So and the competition is who will prevail? Who will prevail? And, and and who will be the model for other countries to emulate? Okay, so speaking of Russia and China, is either of those countries a threat to South Korea? Well, look at China. China has the, uh, South Korea has the largest trading uh, uh, relationship with China. It's, it, they, they do more trade with China than they certainly do with the United States. And it's, it's significant. Uh, there's major South Korean uh, investments in China, but there's a lot of money that goes into uh, South Korea from China with tourism, uh, with, uh, with investments, et cetera. So China has some very economic uh, uh, leverage with South Korea, significant economic leverage with South Korea. That's a given. And the fact is that they live in the same region. Uh, if there's tension between South Korea and China, it, 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 and we saw this with THAAD, with the, when we operationalized the THAAD, our, our missile defense system in South Korea, how China used economic, the economic leverage they have to make it difficult for South Korea. They shut down many of their companies, uh, you know, in, in, in China that do, did business in China. They stopped the flow of, of visitors to South Korea. So that, that, that revenue was not available. They used a lot of economic tools available to China to make life difficult for South Korea. That's on the economic side. There's also a political side. If there is tension between China and South Korea, China can make things difficult for South Korea. So there's a little pressure on South Korea there. And that's why it's important for the United States to do what President Biden did on the 21st of May, is to reaffirm our allied relationship, our commitment to the Mutual Defense Treaty, and that we will always be there. And indeed, the $39 billion of South Korean investments in the U.S., our joint efforts on vaccines, on pandemics, on, on batteries for uh, the uh, climate-related uh, issues, to not only reconfirm and uh, our our allied close allied relationship, but to solidify it in economic and and, ge and geopolitical terms to include our, if you will, mutual defense treaty and our commitment to provide extended deterrence assurances to the Republic of Korea. Okay, so let's talk a moment about the threat from North Korea to South Korea and all of its neighbors in the region. Um, essentially, North Korea has this nuclear capability uh, and has made it clear to the world that it, it has it in one way or another, and there's this 
threat that sort of hangs out there that they could do it at any time if they don't get what they want. So what is it that North Korea wants right now? Well, North Korea wants a few things. One of the major things they want is they want a normal relationship with the United States and acceptance as a nuclear weapon state. They, they want both. And, and so that's, that's a given. On the question of reunification, ultimately, the North Korea would, would move towards, if they do move towards reunification, it would be on their terms. And indeed, if we ever accept them, well, we should never do that. And I, I don't believe we will ever accept North Korea. It would be a disaster if we did. You mean we, North, accept North Korea as a nuclear power? As a nuclear weapon state, as a nuclear power, which is what they want. Right. A normal relationship with the U.S. and acceptance as a nuclear weapon state. And we should never do that, you say? I, I think that would be a, it would be a, a terrible mistake. It would be a terrible. It would be a mistake, certainly for the region, because other countries will then, uh, you know, pursue their own nuclear weapons to include South Korea, to include include Japan. But the element of proliferation, where some of these nuclear weapons in North Korea or the fissile material for dirty bombs could be sold to terrorist organizations, rogue states. So so it would accepting North Korea as a nuclear weapon state would lend itself to instability, significant instability, not only on the peninsula, the Korean peninsula, but in the region uh, uh, as a whole. Ambassador, you've dealt directly with North Korea's leadership on its nuclear weapons and its interest in normalized relationships with the U.S. and the West. Uh, And the things that they present each time just are non-starters because of the way in which they present them. You know, let North Korea possess nuclear weapons while North Korea continues to threaten verbally, (laughs) very demonstrably, the U.S. and the West you know, using videos and and other techniques, hacking, you know, cyber attacks, etc. What is it that North Korea needs to be changed? What is it that North Korea needs to change in order to be taken seriously uh, in terms of trying to get to a point where it's recognized by the West? Well, North Korea needs to commit to complete verifiable denuclearization. Uh, Obviously, they have their demands. If they give up their nuclear weapons, which they see as a major deterrent to the United States and others who may seek regime change, but they need to commit to that. And in in exchange, obviously, we've committed often to give them the security assurances, uh, economic development assistance and a path to normal relations. But the key here is denuclearization in a verifiable manner. They need to change and they need to do what you just said. They need to stop their illicit activities, their cyber operations. They need to stop counterfeiting our our currency, our cigarettes, pharmaceuticals, uh, methamphetamine. They need to stop the criminal activities that they, they, they have pursued and they continue to pursue with cyber. And they also need to make significant progress on the human rights abuses that are going on in North Korea. So there are a number of things North Korea needs to do to be accepted as a, as a, as a normal state, uh, a state that we can uh, encourage others to invest in, foreign direct investments that could move towards reunification. But until they, they commit to complete verifiable denuclearization and until they stop 
their uh, egregious uh, uh, human rights abuses. And until they stop their illicit activities, stealing, whether it's a cryptocurrency, whether it's using cyber to go after banks, uh, what they did with Sony Pictures going back to 2015 was indicative of what they were doing. Until they can stop those things there, most countries correctly, indeed the United States and South Korea and others will say, wait a minute, we can't do business with you. You need to make these commitments and you need to start moving towards achieving those commitments and we will give you something in return for that. Heretofore, we've been unsuccessful. They've built more nuclear weapons. They've built more delivery systems. As you just mentioned, they're using cyber and they're going after cryptocurrencies now. So they continue with, the, with their list. They haven't stopped on their human rights abuses and so forth. So there needs to be a significant change from the leadership in North Korea. All right. So we know what North Korea needs to change. And we know that the U.S. and the West want that change. Does the U.S. have in place what's necessary to make the change? Because I, I understand during that summit, uh, President Biden said that he would be open to meeting with Kim Jong-un. Um, is that the right thing to do? Yes, I think we have we we have the tools necessary. Because as I mentioned, they want a normal relationship with the United States. And if they could see the, a path to a normal relationship with the United States, because that will give them the international legitimacy that Kim Jong-un and his, uh, his father and grandfather uh, uh, wanted so dearly. And uh, so we, we could move in that, in that direction to give them a path to a normal relationship with the United States. But again, with that would come the security assurances, the economic development assistance and everything they need. So yes, we have the deliverables to provide North Korea, given only given the fact that North Korea has persisted to retain its nuclear weapons and to not only retain them, but to enhance their nuclear weapons capabilities, missile delivery system capabilities, and, 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 you know, whether it was cyber, whether it's chemical, whether it's biological, pursue those other, uh, 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 if you will, uh, weapons of mass destruction that are inimical to our national security, but also to the national security of our allies in the region and partners. One of the things that's absolutely necessary in order to engage with North Korea is having the right team in place. You've been on one of those teams. And uh, I'm curious to know, forgive me for asking in this forum, but have you been asked to be a part of that team? And if you were, would you? Well, let me just say this. I think the team that the uh, President Biden has is a very strong team. And I think uh, uh, appointing uh, Ambassador Sung Kim as the special envoy, I think was a very smart, and I will say this, necessary move because Ambassador Sung Kim knows North Korea. He was involved with the six-party process. He was involved subsequent to the six-party process in negotiation with North Korea. And of course, he was the ambassador to South Korea. So this is a very smart, uh, but, uh, but also very necessary appointment of a special envoy who's going to focus on trying to, if you will, reconstitute a dialogue with North Korea. So the ball then will be, and it's been in North Korea's court for some time, they have to they have to respond to that. Uh, I think the team is powerful. I think it's a good team. I think we have the uh, uh, we have the tools that necessary to pursue a, a diplomatic uh, uh, you know resolution to these issues. 
And I think the key here also is working with South Korea because South Korea with the meetings uh, uh, on the 21st of May with President Biden between uh, President Moon and, and President Biden uh, gave, if you will, not gave, but, 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 but uh, reinforced that South Korea should pursue inter-Korean dialogue, inter-Korean inter cooperation with North Korea. They could try to reconstitute the, uh, you know, if you will, the, the uh, visits of separated families from the Korean War, visits of tourists to Mount Kumgang, uh, reconstitute uh, and look at building the, uh, connecting the roads and the railroads between the North and South. So, so South Korea has a big part of, of the initiatives with North Korea, inter-Korean relations. So it's a two-pronged approach. It's the U.S. pursuing the denuclearization in coordination with South Korea, but it's also South Korea pursuing inter-Korean relations uh, to include humanitarian assistance to North Korea that will get to the neediest citizens of North Korea, whether it's food aid, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's vaccines, whatever that may be. So we have a two-pronged approach in total coordination between both sides. So I and and now we have a special envoy who's focusing on this, and the both presidents agreed that we will use you know diplomacy. We will be flexible uh, on this. So I think I think all the pieces are in place to move forward with North Korea. But the, the but the key impediment has been has been North Korea. Okay. If they refuse to come to the table, we can have all the tools necessary, all the deliverables that North Korea wants and a willingness to pursue that, but we have to have an interlocutor. Mm -hmm. And if North Korea is not willing to come to the table, and, and indeed, if they, if they persist on building more nuclear weapons, fabricating more fissile material, building more nuclear weapons, and even missile delivery systems, and if they should have a nuclear test or a, a long-range missile launch, I mean, this would not only be an impediment, it would be an, they would exacerbate uh, this relationship and these efforts. And I think we would then go in a different direction uh, with greater deterrence and uh, additional sanctions. So hopefully uh, North Korea will be responsive to the United States and South Korea as we both pursue uh, in coordination inter-Korean relations and denuclearization and looking at all those humanitarian issues. So we have the players in place. We have the deliverables that we're prepared to deliver but we need to have an interlocutor, and that's North Korea. Okay. Uh, North Korea that's refused heretofore to uh, be, sit at the table with us. So uh, we will see in the next few months. And well, that's my uh, next question. Um, yes. What's the what's the window like? The time window to, that that would uh, be most conducive to getting this done? You know, JJ, I, I I think the window we do have a window. We have a definite window of opportunity right now. Personally, I think North Korea will respond to that window, but I believe that window will close after three to four to six months, that window is gonna remain open for a period of time. But if North Korea continues to refuse to come to the table and indeed continues to build nuclear weapons and missile delivery systems, I think that window is going to close. So we, so a lot depends on obviously North Korea at this moment. And, and, and if that window does close, um, what do you expect? to happen. I would expect to see a greater uh, nuclear, uh, greater deterrence writ large in, in the region. Uh, 
when you talk about nuclear, I think there's an impetus now to uh, look at the possibility of even introducing, and I, you know, and I say the possibility of introducing tactical nuclear weapons as part of the deterrence package uh, for uh, a, a North Korea that's being hostile, that's building more nuclear weapons and missile delivery systems. So I can see a significant deterrence uh, escalation where we would reinforce our military capabilities in support of the ROK and other allies and partners in the region. I could, I would envision additional sanctions if North Korea continues to uh, violate UN security resolutions and build more nuclear weapons and missile delivery systems. And indeed, if they should have a nuclear test or a, a, a long range, uh, a medium range a ballistic missile launch, I think there will be uh, sanctions that will uh, uh, that will ensue. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to go over these things that are very important um, details to consider when the U.S. Uh, is looking at uh, improving the situation in in that region. And um, South Korea is a key partner in doing that. And uh, I thank you for explaining to us what's important about this. Thank you, Ambassador well, Detrani. And thank you, JJ, for the uh, questions and the real key interest you have in this issue. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, that hijacking of a plane over Belarus. Unprecedented and unacceptable. Peter Stano is the lead spokesperson for foreign affairs and security policy with the European Commission. That's the executive branch of the European Union. What we have seen that happened is absolutely something that doesn't belong to Europe of 21st century. And Stano says there will be consequences. And we are also working already on the necessary measures to ban overflight of the EU airspace by Belarusian airlines. Sanctions and an investigation are underway. Details on our next episode. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, we invite you to follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Also, we would like to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. And if you want more national security information, I've got a newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.